Welcome to Do It For The Gram and Enneagram podcast with your host, certified Enneagram coach Milton Stewart. What we do for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and those in our community. Woo! First official, official episode in 2023. That first one, if you didn't get to listen to it, it's about being more unapologetically me in 2023. So this episode, we're going to talk about the Enneagram is not the work. I think a lot of people get it confused and they think if they understand Enneagram, then they're doing the work. And <laughs> it's just not true. All right, all right, all right. So this came up for me because I, I heard and I saw it multiple times. Seth Abram, who does uh, the integrated Enneagram, I believe. I hope I got it right, Seth. But then also a really amazing person, a person who's helped me in my growth, uh, who is amazing, Linda Roberts, said something both along the same lines. The Enneagram is not the work. Like, it's not the work. There's a difference. And so understanding and knowing the Enneagram is one thing, and it has its role, it, and it is important so that we can be a little bit more clear on the specific work that we need to be able to do. But just because you understand and know the Enneagram don't mean you doing the work. Right. And I see that a lot. And I think it is a point where you do see it and you do grow. Right. I've been in the Enneagram space studying this thing for, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years. I don't know. I stopped counting after I got to 10. It just got real weird. And I was like, all right. And, and what I noticed is that, yes, you do become more clear and you do find more specifics to a degree around different types. One of my favorite teachers and mentors, Ginger, says, you know, every nine is like every nine and and no nine is like another nine. Like it's both and, right, it, at the same time, right, because a degree of the pattern. And then you talk about actually the person, right, which adds a layer to to it that it cannot be duplicated, right? No one can be duplicated in a degree. Right. Even if you have the same pattern. And so there are things about the patterns that, you know, you will understand as a practitioner, as a person studying it, that's just going to it's just going to fall in line with every single type just for the most part. Right. Unless there's significant trauma or something where they didn't develop in their personality style or the culture. But most likely it's going to be the same thing. Right. Because at the very core, there is something there. But at the exact same time. Right. There's something about each single one of those types is going to be extremely different than the other. And they're like, I don't experience life that way. And da, 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 right? So there's a degree of that both, right? It's that both and, you know, because we live in such an either or society. Jump on this side, jump on that side that we miss one, the law of three. But we also miss that everything doesn't work that way, right? Everything doesn't work like, oh, it's all this one way or it's all that way, right? We live in and and also or with, you know, includes, you know, we, we live in that both, maybe even more than both, right? So these things are important to start to understand as we understand like what the world is this work. So the work is very different. Let's talk about the work real quick. So the work you do once you learn the Enneagram, right? One of the biggest things that you can do when it comes to work is understanding how to be more self-aware, this is the thing, right? And to, in order to be self-aware, you have to learn how to observe yourself, right? So these are different components that are very important to be able to do. One of the first steps is actually learning, how do I observe myself? How do I develop what Helen Palmer calls, and maybe someone else gave her that this language, I don't remember exactly, but it's the inner observer. How do I des develop the ability to be with myself in the present moment and take a look at it? Right. How can I notice that there's a stream or a river going on inside of me or something really strong, but not be caught in it? How can I look at it? Right. And so when we talk about the inner observer, we're talking about the work, we're talking about growing. How can you observe what is happening in the moment? 
to you, right? What is going on mentally? What is going on at the heart level or emotionally, right? What is going on in the body level, the somatic or the sensate body level? What is happening, right? Because there is wise, intelligent, incredible information, right? Education, healing, all happening within those parts of, our, of ourselves. And until we're able to do that, you're not truly going to be able to grow, right? Until, unless some crazy outside factor happens and you have to shift, right? Because that's sometimes what makes people grow. Some crazy outside factor happens where it's like, oh, I have to shift now. But you don't have to wait for something catastrophic to happen externally for you to actually be able to grow consistently. And so the work is saying, okay, not only am I developing this self-awareness piece, uh, this self-observation piece first, like, how do I actually see myself? How do I actually know what's going on? And part of self-observation is learning a presencing practice or meditation or qigong, some type of practice that allows you breathing techniques, conscious breathing, to allow you to know what the world is going on with you. Because in all honesty, we operate on automatic so easily, it's ridiculous. We don't even recognize it. We lose so much time just doing things automatically. We don't even recognize it. And sometimes if you're just listening, you're new and you have not done necessarily inner work or growth work or self-observation work, then you probably may not even have a clue what I'm talking about. You're like, what? I, I know what I'm doing most of the days. No, you don't. No, you don't. You really don't. We miss so much time, right? Just operating on this constant, automatic, egoic version of ourselves, right? And so the self-observation piece really allows us to be like, oh, Shoot. Okay. I see. I see. I kind of see what's going on here a little bit, right? Self-observation to me is kind of like introspection to a degree as well. It's a little bit different because introspection is kind of like, okay, you're looking at or you've or you're looking at what you may have done or things that may have happened, but it, it doesn't mean that you're doing something with it. It just means that you're looking at it, right? There's some people who who are very introspective, right? And at times, it makes them think that they're like, they're so deep and they're so wise, they're so gross, they know themselves. That don't mean nothing. That's, I mean, it may be a level away from people who don't see themselves to a degree at all, but it ain't that far. You're still not doing the work. You're still in the same pattern, right? It, it don't change anything. And so self-observation is a little bit closer to not just introspecting and looking over what you've done and how you may have felt and all this type of stuff, but it's a little bit more in the moment what's happening, right? It's like, all right, now that I can notice a little bit what's happening with me now, okay? Now this moves me into the piece where I'm not just I'm not just being observative of what I'm doing, but now I'm moving to awareness, right? And now this self-awareness piece is like, okay, now there's something I can notice what's happening. Because first of all, we got to notice, right? But once I notice what's happening, now I have the ability to choose, right? I have the ability to choose what I want to do, right? And when we find that place, what you'll recognize is that a lot of times what you may, what may be best for you to choose is actually difficult for you to choose because it involves either you operate in a new way, which is a lot of times for your body is fear. It, it causes fear in your body because your body's like, no, 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 no. Your ego is like, hold up, we don't operate that way. We usually do this when they do that. And this is how we respond and this is how we react, Right. But when you start developing self-awareness, the work is to say, okay, hmm, from my essence or from the present part of me, what would be the next best action or thought or move or, you know, or, or what do I need to sit with to a degree, right? 
it shifts everything. And a lot of times it feels like the opposite of how we normally would do things. So if you're a type that naturally wants to go forward and move fast, it may be the moment where it's like, yeah, this usually makes you move really fast and, and talk fast or act fast or say something. But maybe you just need to pause and pull back and just be a little bit more, a little bit more thoughtful in the way that you're going to engage this or a little bit more heartful when you engage this situation. Or maybe you don't need to engage this one, right? Maybe just sit back and be like, well, they think I'm going to engage, but I, I don't have to do that today. That's not my thing, right? I'm, I'm choosing not to give my energy in a way that's going to be not beneficial to me or the whole situation, right? Because the ego want to flex on everybody. Everybody got to realize this. Everybody's ego here wants to flex somehow, some way. I don't care what type you think you are. I don't care if your ego even thinks comes from a standpoint of like, you feel like you're less than or, or something like that, or you're dep depressed. The ego just wants to be right. And so most people would rather be right than be healthy. I'm going to tell you them, say it again. Most people would rather be right than be healthy. Most people would rather be right than have the real truth. And it's just a part of the ego. That's what it is. And so we have to recognize that that is happening in us on a regular basis, including me, right? <laughs> so it's a very important to note that self-awareness is going to call for you to be more humble. This is one major sign that someone is doing their work when they constantly are coming back to being humble in their work, right? Because that's what inner work makes you do. You become curious about a whole lot of stuff you thought you were super sure on beforehand. You was like, oh, I know this. Oh, I know that. I'm not like this. I'm like this. I'm all this, all this type of stuff. We do all that, that posturing and all that stuff, flexing on people and doing all this and all this. You start doing real, the real work, real self-awareness work, you're going to be humble real quick because you're going to start to question the things that you were so sure of at times, right? And that your ego had you thinking that you were the bum and all this. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you humble. And so that's the mark of a lot of good inner work you see people doing if they come back to humbleness, right? Our ego flexes at times, and then we got to be like, ooh, let me pull it back. Ooh, let me think. Let me process on that, right? And so that's one thing. If I don't see someone practicing their work, if I don't see humbleness in their game and the way that they do things, I know they ain't doing the work. They may know a lot about the Enneagram, and that's what we're talking about here. There's a lot of people who know a lot about the Enneagram. There's people who will argue me down about stuff about the Enneagram, right? And they ain't studied it for more than two years, but they ready to argue with me because they know. And it's like, I'm not going to argue with you on this stuff, first and foremost, because <laughs> I'm out here trying to do the work and work with people who want to do the work, right? Who want to transform their lives, right? Who want to go to a deeper consciousness, right? Who want to heal things in their lives that is, is rich and deep. So, so I'm not, I'm not going to be out here wasting using my energy like that. And even if I do use a little bit, I have to pull it back and humble myself, right? Because I'll see my ego wanting to flare up and be like, oh, I'm going to show you. You know, I'm like, calm down, breathe, breathe, integrate whatever pride that this is so that we can start to work on it as well, right? And so a part of the work, and we talked about self-observation, right? We talked about self-awareness. And this self-awareness piece is starting to notice all the things that are there. And so what that leads to is us having the ability to see things a lot of times that we either didn't know was there, we personally may not like in ourselves, right? Things we overdo, pride, all these type of things, right? Things that we may feel that we're lacking in. You start to notice all these different things. 
And at first, it don't feel good at all. It'd be like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe I do that. Did I still say that? Do people see me like that? Oh my goodness, I, I don't. And this is a whole nother level, right? Because you have to eventually bring in self-compassion and empathy into your inner work. That's just a part of the game, right? If you're going to actually keep growing. If you just beat yourself up every time you become aware of something, you ain't doing the work necessarily well. Like I'm telling you, you're just hurting yourself, right? So you got to... You got to pour in self-compassion and empathy because you're still human and the ego is still doing this thing. And it's doing this thing for a reason, right? It's trying to protect you technically. It's just going about it the wrong way. When you were a kid, it, it did a great job, most likely. But as you grow, it's like, yeah, th- those same techniques don't work anymore. I'm an adult. So this is what's important to understand. Like, As we are finding out these things about ourselves, as we're learning all these new ways about ourselves, because it's not like you just find out a new thing, you're finding out patterns. And that's the thing about it. And guess what? Sometimes it takes a year to find certain patterns and to be able to work with them. Because guess what? You know, life is is seasonal, right? You have to look back on things. You have to see how things are going, right? And so we really have to be aware like, whoa, I'm noticing this pattern. And so we have small patterns that are easy to pick up on, like a daily pattern or a relationship pattern. And can be easy to pick up on to a certain degree. But when you talk about all of these patterns, they have a bigger pattern within them or they have a bigger pattern that surrounds them, right? And so the more you learn about the bigger patterns, you're like, oh my, oh my. You can interrupt the way the ego is trying to control things and start to do things well that are healthy and beneficial for you. So you can start to take back the car. If you heard my analogy from the very beginning, Shout out to those who've been rocking me from the beginning. A lot of times the ego drives our life car, right? It is whipping around the streets, doing this thing, pulling donuts, bumping willies and everything, right? And crazy in the middle of the street. It's time as an adult for that, have them to pull over. You take the driver's seat and then you tell egos like, hey, you can hop in that back seat or you can hop in this passenger seat, but you're not driving my vehicle, my life vehicle anymore. It's my turn, right? And so as we're learning all of these things, these new things, we have to learn what we call integrate. You have to learn to integrate all of these parts of you because it is crazy to think, but so much of our ego wants to push out part of our humanity, right? Our ego has a narrative, which we also have in our minds, and we all we all know our narratives, right? We may not be super cognizant of it right now, but we have our own narrative about who we are, what we do, all this type of stuff. And that narrative is positive, negative, whatever, but it ain't all a reality. It's got pieces of truth, but it ain't all reality to us. So our ego wants to push out a lot of departments of our humanity, right? In order for us to seem a certain way. It's me again in another one of those funny commercials to remind you that the Kaizen Community Enneagram program is having open sessions. I do two cohorts a year. In this program, you will feel heard, seen, and connected. You will leave the program with way more knowledge, a deeper level of growth, and some lifelong friends. To sign up and learn more, go to kaizen-enneagram-community.mn.co or see the show notes or the Instagram bio link tree. All right, back to the episode. So part of the growth, part of the work is learning how to integrate all those parts into you. How do I integrate all the parts of my humanity into me? I I would never do that. Yeah, right. You ain't never been in that situation like that person. You don't know what you would do in that situation. You might do the very same thing. You might even do worse. You don't know. 
We all are human. Anything that has been humanly capable, that is crazy and chaotic, you are capable of doing it as well. And so some part of us inside of us has, it has that piece of us in it. And so that's another humbling piece to this whole puzzle is that we have to learn how to start to integrate those things that are that feel very uncomfortable. And it's the thing about it too. One of the biggest areas, people are used to maybe understanding what's in their mind to a degree, right? And even then to the emotions to a degree. People struggle with the sensate and somatic body because we're not taught this growing up, right? We're not taught this in school, how to listen to your body, how to actually do and act from where the body needs in the moment, right? We go against what we need all the time. We get tired, we keep pushing, right? It's a simple one, right? You know, we, we do stuff like we're hungry, but maybe we don't eat right away. Or we're full and we keep eating, right? Our body didn't told us like, nah, we full, we good down here. And you're like, no, 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 I need to keep eating, right? That's some egoic type stuff, right? And it's also learning not to listen to our bodies. Our bodies be telling us all kind of stuff. Oh, you're in pain over here, but you you don't really deal with. You don't really notice it, right? There are sensate things happening in our body, somatic things happening in our body all the time, all the same, every second of the day, right? As long as you live in, there's some sensate somatic thing happening in your body, but we aren't taught to be present to what's happening in our bodies because I'm telling you, we would live a way more fruitful, helpful, peaceful life if we'd listen to our bodies, you know? So a lot of times we don't deal with trauma. Things trigger us and we never come back to deal or to work with or to sit with uh, those things. And so they just keep triggering us over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, because we never deal with them. We never work with them. And so a part of this work, besides just knowing the Enneagram, is how can I integrate, right? How can I integrate all the parts of me in a way that is loving and wholesome and complete, right? How can I make sure I'm whole? Because a lot of times we're not whole, right? It's just a bunch of pieces to us, right? We got a whole bunch of pieces, a whole lot of different places, and we're not letting them in. One of the analogies that I noticed that I've been working with, because I do centering prayer, and I also do some things called like welcoming those most difficult and uncomfortable parts of me when they happen. There is, in, in my mind, this is my, this is some of my work is my visual I have a house inside of myself, right? And in this house are all the things that I've allowed to be a part of me, right? Now, outside of this house, it is cold. The snow is everywhere. The wind is blowing like crazy. It may be raining too. It may be sleet. You know, that stuff that don't nobody like. Like sleet don't do nothing for nobody. It's just slippery and icy and slushy. And it's like, it's weird. And whenever I get an emotion or a sensation that is uncomfortable in my body or even a thought what I work on doing is opening that door and allowing that part of me in the house. And I allow them to sit down and I put a comforter on them or I help warm them up, give them some cocoa, some tea, right? These are visualization things, but it's a part of me, right? That I allow to be a part of me so that I can actually work on it. I can heal. I can tend to that part of me. Because a lot of times, like I said, our ego is pushing out these things, right? It don't, it don't want, they don't want these things to be a part of us. It's like It's got a narrative of who we are and what we do and how we do it, you know? But... When we include all the parts of us, wow, we start to heal. That doesn't snag us anymore. We're not triggered as easily like we used to. We develop healthy boundaries. We heal traumatic areas in our, in our lives. And so this is a whole nother piece of it. It's like, okay, how can I find a way to integrate the parts of me that I don't seem to like? Because our body has a strong resistance to it, okay? So, so it's very funny. I, I got into, I wouldn't say, I was, I was, on this, I was in this group and I'm a pretty logical person to a degree, right? Um, head type, it just happens. And this 
and the guy who was leading the Zoom thing, he said something that was kind of contradictory to what he said before. And I didn't, I wasn't going against it, but I just had a question. And I and I messed around and put it in the chat. Oh my goodness, why did I put it in the chat? And one of these people that they're following, it was like, they're one of the people like, I believe everything that they say and every word and all this type of stuff. It's like one of those people. And I'm like, I. Right. You're, you're, you're great at what you do, but um, it's, some of this don't align. You know what I'm saying? So I put a question out there, and oh my goodness, that challenged the way that people were saying things. And this guy, this guy kind of came after me, you know, like he kind of came after me. And I was like, what? Like what he said didn't even make sense. And, and the thing about it that really flared my my ego and my pride up was that he he used my name. Like, dude, I didn't even know you. I was just putting it, the question out to the group. And all of a sudden, now you didn't call me out saying this, that, and the other. And I was like, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> and so I tried to be, I guess, discreet in a way. And I was like, I'm going to take this into the personal chat, right? I'm going to go one-on-one -on -one chat because I don't want to disturb everybody else who's listening or whatever like this, right? And uh, it had to do around, like, climate change. I'll just be honest. <laughs> like, climate change. Like, like humans can destroy the earth, right? Like, literally, we are destroying the earth, right? And this guy's had, oh, my goodness. Uh, he, he had a, a theory that was that humans can't hurt the earth, and I used some logic to to really debunk that from the from the person that literally was speaking that he was like following hook, line, and sinker for what he was saying. And he didn't just really have a defense. So he just started coming at me. And then all of a sudden, I noticed I was just chatting back. I was like, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da, right? And so my ego had gotten to a prior version where it was like, I'm going to show you how competent I am and how what you're saying is dumb, right? And I was, I mean, my ego is in this thing trying to flex hard. I am not listening to this speaker. I am in that thing typing away, right? I am typing away. And I'm not coming from necessarily for him as a person, but I'm also being like a little bit overtly abrasive in a, in a, to a degree because of the way that I'm wording things, right? To make it seem like, one, what you're saying is dumb, right? So, I mean, that's the way I was coming across. I, I really was to a degree, and he was trying to come back and say some crazy things. I mean, it was wild, y'all. The conversation was wild. And I was like, why am I wasting my energy? So, when I got off of that, that call, I noticed just how much my heart rate had sped up, right? I noticed how much frustration I had in my body. It was tight, right? My head, my head was like, I guess I said my head was hot to a degree, but it was more like a small, like an annoying, frustrating headache because it was like, this is not, we, we didn't have like a, a fruitful conversation because what you were saying was so far out of the stratosphere. And there is real life evidence of what I'm talking about that you can, just so much. So some of the practices that I've been doing based on Cynthia Bergeau, one of her books talking about the um, centering prayer, said I welcome that part of me. That part of me was pride. My ego was trying to flex so hard. And so I just thought, welcome pride, welcome pride, welcome pride. And I let it in my house. And I let it in the house to come sit down and be like, come on, come on. You 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 got triggered by this. You didn't waste all this energy. You're all tight. And what I noticed with less than less than ten minutes, I had kind of really 
allowed me welcoming that part of me allowed that to relax into me so my body was no longer tight i wasn't holding on to that mental fixation of like i gotta show them i gotta win that person is dumb what they said was dumb all that type of stuff we know that happened let's be honest if you've ever gotten to a, a facebook or, or actual argument or something you know good and well you be in that thing typing away be like i can't wait to show these people that i can't believe they would dare you know what i'm saying and with less than 10 minutes that part of had actually subsided my body had softened my emotion had changed and i said let me i said let me apologize for how how i came across you know i'm not apologizing necessarily for what i said cuz i don't disagree with what i said to agree if i'm being honest but i am going to apologize if i caused a disruption and a disturbance in your day and how i came across in this if it was offensive to you because that is not who i want to operate and be right you know and so I, I've, I found the guy on Facebook and I sent the message to him apologizing in that situation. And he couldn't, he, he was, I guess, still stuck in that mode and ready to say something crazy back to me. And I just, just let it go. And I just let it go. And then he sent me like eight different messages, which is a, uh, a sign of something else, but I'm not going to get into that in this episode. But, and, and I just left it there. You know what I'm saying? And then after like, it's like 10 messages of trying to berate me or something. He found was like, oh, yeah, I want to apologize how I came across too and all this. And I was like, okay, whatever. Bye. You know what I'm saying? I was done with it already. I had let it go. Right? And so a part of that inner work is that next piece of we learn to not only after we integrate stuff, there are certain things we're so attached to, we learn to start to let them go. Because that's another part of it, right? That deeper consciousness, like understanding, one, how many things am I attached to, right? And how much energy is it taking away from me? And how do I actually start to let some of this stuff go? Because it's holding me back. All this stuff, like all these things we hold on to, these little arguments, these things about something, that stuff that be holding us back, y'all. And, you know, I care too much about like being liberated, growing, being healthy, being healed, way too much for me to be holding on to like petty stuff like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, dude, what are you doing? So that's that becomes another piece of it, right? Once we've integrated, now we can learn to what things that am I so attached to that I actually can let go that are going to help me grow, you know? So, that, so that's so important, right? As we do the work, okay? And so another component as we're moving forward is not just knowing the Enneagram, which is so important. Like, don't, don't get me wrong, as I talk about the work, but knowing the Enneagram is is important, but it's not the only thing, right? Because I, I see this and this happened to me. You get lost in learning the Enneagram so much. You're so fascinated. You're so excited about learning more and more that you start to believe that like you're growing because you have more knowledge of the Enneagram. And that's just not true. That's just not true. <laughs> you just know more. You're not doing the work, right? N knowing and being are totally different. Man, knowing and being are totally different. There's so many people who know so much, but they're not being what they know, right? They're not working in what they know. And, and that's, that's a big difference. And I want to operate in being more and more, right? As difficult as it can be to be consistent, persistent in what we do in this work, in the inner work, like this is where I'm going along the lines, Right. So to kind of like wrap this up a little bit, because this was straightforward and there's much more I could, could delve into, but you know, you should join a community, one of my communities, if you want to delve deeper into this topic, because we, we get deep, right? And it's all about the work, right? So here's some practical things. 
If you do not have a meditation qigong, conscious breathing practice that helps you to be aware, get one. You need a presencing practice. You need a, a practice that helps you be in the present moment. Because if you don't have that, then it will be darn near impossible for you to do consistent uh, inner work, consistent work, right? It, it's going to be darn near impossible. So if you don't have one of those, that's the first step, right? Because if you're a person who was like, it's hard for me to meditate. I can't sit still for this, this, this. And maybe you have the wrong idea of what meditation truly is. And that's probably what it is. And I'll probably do an episode on meditation and self-awareness because meditation is really just self-awareness, right? Can you notice what's going on? There's different types, right? And if it's very difficult for you to sit still for long enough, then guess what? That's a part of the work for you, right? And then become curious. Why is that, why is that difficult for you to do that? When I first started doing like meditation, conscious breathing, all these type of things, you know, as a seven, yeah, it was hard for me to sit still for five minutes. I was struggling. I was like, what's going on? What is going on? What is going on? Man, is this a waste of time? What am I doing? It's crazy. Now, I mean, it feels strange for me not to do meditation, qigong, breathing practices, or centering prayer for 20 minutes straight, two times a day. It feels strange. Like, I, I feel off. I notice a lot of parts of throughout the day that my ego is just running the show. Like, we got the car today. We didn't got the whip, right? We got it. We're going to do our thing today. You know, when I don't do my presencing practice, my meditation or my centering prayer, right now I'm doing centering prayer. Different parts of your life will be different. And you try out different things, right? But you want to extend it, right? If you haven't done it before and it's difficult, try five minutes first and then work your way up till you get to 10 and then 15, you know, and then 20. And then once you get to that level, you may need someone else outside of you, right? Another tip is like, you do a video on YouTube. It's so many people doing Qigong and breathing practice on YouTube. Y'all, it's crazy. Like, I got a couple. You know what I'm saying? So do a practice on a regular basis to help you start to develop and cultivate your self-observation, your self-awareness part of you, right? And then next, once you start to get a pattern or a routine down of self-awareness, a practice, let me say that, of self-observation practice, when those things come up that are uncomfortable, that are difficult, you want to you wanna take a pause, right? You want to pause. Like when you start to notice stuff happening, you want to take a deep breath and pause because so you don't just react out of ego. So now you have a chance to think, how do I want to respond to this situation, right? What could be helpful if I slow down and actually choose what I want to do instead of just ego react, to the situation. And so then you want to try to work on integrating that, right? Become very curious about what that thing is or why it's making you feel that way or what's going on so that you can truly start to integrate that into you because it's important. You, you, you know, to integrate it, you know, you've got to take a, take a telescope, a microscope, all of it, right? Take every lens you can, those glasses, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and look at it. Even if you don't have glasses, look at it from different angles and see what's really going on. And a lot of times this does take time. So like you need to practice daily, but you also will need community and like retreats and different things. So you have enough time to work through these things. The stuff that we working with, we've, it's been building up for years, y'all. And we think a couple of days we're looking at it it's like, oh, I'm going to fix that thing. No, it takes some time. Right, it takes some time to get there. It takes practice to be able to do it as well. So, that's one of the next pieces of practical information. Um, the next one is eventually join a community that is going deep into the work. Right, 
Join a community that is going deep into the work because that is how you truly going to grow, right? People are able to see you in ways that you are not able to see yourself. And sometimes they can see your patterns better than you can see them at different times, right? So this is very important for the help, but also the support, right? In a safe community where you feel heard and seen and loved, right? Because sometimes it's easier. This is going to sound crazy. When you're in a really safe community, Sometimes it's easier to share more of your full self than it is by yourself. Mm, 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 mm. When the environment has been made safe enough for you to do that, it is amazing the things that actually happen. I'm so serious. Right. So that's another version of practical advice for doing the work. Right. And keep learning the Enneagram, but don't make learning the Enneagram the primary focus of you thinking that that's going to help you do the work and grow. Right. Don't think that that's the primary focus is to know the Enneagram and that that's going to equate to you being able to grow and, and be deeper. That's not it. Right. You could know very little about the Enneagram, but actually do your work very seriously and go very deep. Right. So I just want to say once again, the Enneagram, it's not the work. Right. The work will bring up things that are uncomfortable, things that maybe that will be fear-based, that will be anger-based, that will be sad. Uh, some things that even bring you joy, right? And as you do this work, you will grow, you will heal, you will find out new things, there will be uncomfortable things, but overall, you actually will feel better. Like you will have to go through some uncomfortable and tough things, but the sooner you go through it and work with it and sit with it, the better you will feel, I'm telling you. It's just a fact. <laughs> so I thank you all for listening. I uh, hope you're having a wonderful day. I hope this month is great for you. Um, and I hope you do the work and not just learn Enneagram, but keep learning it, but do the work, right? And so figure out what is the next thing that you can do so that you can start or continue the work in a much deeper way in your life. All right. So... Uh, wrapping this up, you know, if you feel your ego about to flare up, take a deep breath and make a wiser choice. Do it for the gram, the Enneagram, of course, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye bye.